Hey everybody, I wanted to give you a quick announcement before the episode began. Jordan and I recognized as we looked at our different episode counters that we are quickly approaching episode 100 and we're excited and we want to be able to celebrate with you. And one of the ways that we are going to celebrate is by having some giveaway of resources. And if you are interested to enter in for that giveaway, we would ask that you would leave us a written review on iTunes and that you would review us on Spotify as well. Uh, either platform would be great, but it helps with the visibility of our podcast and it helps us know a little bit what we can work on and things that we can do to improve what we're doing. We want to be a great resource, not just for you, but for other people that may stumble upon our podcast. Also for that episode, we want to be able to answer different questions that you might have for us. Maybe it's questions about podcasting. Maybe it's questions about digital ministry or ministry in general or youth ministry or whatever. And we would love to answer those questions as we celebrate episode 100. So if you would like to send us a question, you can do so on our Instagram or Facebook pages uh, at Flyover Ministry, and you can find us pretty easily on either platform. You can also email us at flyoverministrypodcast at gmail.com. But we'll be doing episode 100 answering your questions. And if not, it's just going to be Jordan telling dad jokes. So please, please, please send us questions. Also wanted to give you a heads up as you come into this month's episode, we were able to sit down with Adam Carlson and talk about big questions in youth ministry, specifically regarding rural and small churches. And you'll notice that today's episode ends kind of abruptly, uh, like a bad episode of The Sopranos or something like that. But you, you'll see this because as we were having this discussion, it made sense to allow the conversation to keep going instead of chopping it up so that we could have individual episodes. So if it ends abruptly, don't be surprised. You'll We'll pick up the conversation next week. But with that, thanks for listening. Uh, let's get this episode rolling. Welcome to the Flyover Ministry Podcast, a practical youth ministry podcast for small church leaders by small church leaders. We are grateful that you have joined us for our journey through ministry-related topics that we hope help equip and encourage you as you serve Jesus wherever you are. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Jordan. And this is Flyover Ministry. Jordan, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? Good. We're going to pretend like we haven't been talking for the last five, ten minutes as we've been getting this set up because this, <laughs> this reminds me. Of, this reminds me of how I interact with my students. Like, we pretend to ignore each other socially. Like, that never happened. So. <laughs> oh, man. Well, it's felt like quite a bit of time since we've had someone on and it's uh, really great to be able to have Adam Carlson on. Uh, he's been a long time, first time, I suppose, <laughs> in the podcast world, but uh, been great to interact with him on our recent arc of episodes, not just from last month, but from two months ago as well, as we've been talking about involving students into the life of the congregation and then involving parents in the life of our youth ministries. And Adam gave us some feedback, and the more we started talking on Messenger, the more we realized, you know, this this would make great episodes. So we just kind of continued the conversation, but said, let's bring it onto the podcast. So Adam, great to have you on here. Uh, tell us, uh, and the listeners mainly, because we know you pretty well, but tell uh, people a little bit about yourself, 
where you're at, uh, who you are, and, and so on and so forth. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Um, yeah, I live in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I'm actually currently uh, trying to, to make a business out of flipping houses. So with my in-laws, which has been kind of an adventure over the past couple of years. Uh, but before that, I spent seven years as the youth director at our church here in, in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. So that's kind of my context. Um, I love youth ministry. I have a passion for passing on the faith to the next generation. And so excited to be part of the conversation. Hmm. The Chip Gaines of South Dakota. <laughs> Only if he does shiplap. So, Everybody does shiplap. <laughs> Everybody right. does shiplap. Well, and just to kind of frame this for our listeners too, um, this is going to be a, a five-session arc here, so it's going to be some time that we're spending on this. But basically, the nature that Adam uh, brought up the, his, of his question, we'll, we'll get into that specifically um, next week. But it was an opportunity to really to, to process Youth ministry, not from a critical standpoint, um, even though there are people who, who approach it that way, but just a questioning of like, is this really the best way to be doing things? And, and we just really appreciated um, what was coming out of that conversation, which is why we brought that together. Uh, sometimes we can get into in habits of just approaching ministry uh, and, and we fail in self-evaluation sometimes or looking critically and, and seeing, is this really the best thing for us, um, whether it's because this is all we know or this has been the pattern for a long time. So I hope that you are uh, interested in joining us on this journey as well. And again, I think too, this points to the value of of communicating and just reaching out with questions and having discussions. Um, so we just really encourage you to, if you're not doing that um, with us, which is totally fine, we're a bunch of Radiohead people, uh, but in a local setting or, or people that you can process with. We just want to encourage you in that. So today we're going to start off, uh, first of all, by just hitting the topic of, of looking at quite a few ministry models that exist. Uh, these past months, coming off of our D6 experience and, and looking at parent connections and such, we're going to look at, at a couple family-based ones, but then look at some that have existed for a while that may not be as healthy. So to kick us off, Dan, what's our first ministry model to explore today? Yeah, I think we're going to look at family-based ministry model uh, as the um, just a good way to start. Yeah, I agree. As I've um, experienced in my own ministry or seen in other people's ministry, we as leaders or those who are implementing the ministry always have a heart that this is an extension of congregational life, um, that the identity that we have in Christ, you know, one, one Lord, one faith, one baptism into the body of Christ as a single a cohesive unit as identity. But when we practice ministry, um, identifying those differences in age groups and the different ways they learn, I think that the implementation of it can give students and parents the impression that their identity is within that group itself. Um, and I think that's that tension or that challenge um, between meeting the needs of this age group, let's say teenagers, but also not, not making it so um, they view their identity or their connection to the congregation only in this youth ministry. And uh, that, that can be a challenge of this um, as I've experienced it. There's also a little bit of the intentionality of trying to be intergenerational where you wind up with these gaps between age groups, right? Where you have grandparents or older people, empty nesters, retirees who just don't know the students anymore. And when you're broken up into age groups, that uh, doesn't really help to create that bridge between different age groups. 
So that is also, I guess, another challenge that comes to mind with this ministry model. But Jordan, you had something else here. I was just going to say, but this is just one model of many. Right. So we're going we're gonna to keep going before we turn this into a, a extended length. I don't remember what those are called, but longer than what we do. So the next one is is family equipping. And that takes like the, the focus of doing something for each member of the family to now incorporating as well um, that we want to not just have something for families, but we want to serve families, right? So it adds the layer of how do we help families um, in their home? And how do we encourage discipleship in the home context, recognizing that scripturally we see parents having the primary responsibility, specifically fathers, to uh, tend to the hearts of their kids as far as discipleship goes. And so this ministry model builds onto that and extends into that. So uh, what would be, Dan, would you say one, um, one highlight that would distinguish a family equipping ministry from a family-based ministry that we just talked about? I, that's a good question. I think there, in a lot of times, as we go through these models, uh, what strikes me and what struck me as well, reading this book from Timothy Paul Jones, is that there's often a lot of overlap between ministry models. Like you could have a family-based ministry model and still seek to do equipping of parents later on in uh, the rest of the week, right? So there's, uh, I think there's more of a effort when it comes to family equipping where everything you do, whether that be the worship service, right? To be able to involve the whole family instead of you as leader up front. And I'm speaking as one who preaches every week, right? To, to have the service be a, here's what the Bible says, here's what it speaks to us, and then to be able to allow that, and I've seen churches even use their Sunday school curriculum based off of whatever was taught to be able to say, all right, adult Sunday school, we're going to talk about what pastor talked about today, but we're going to have you bring this home in some more bite-sized manageable pieces for you to be able to use and ask and pursue to continue the conversation at home. And I think that is a key marker between the family-based model and this family equipping model that we're talking about today. Yeah, that's good observations. I, I would also say that there's um, an intentional effort to kind of pass a baton to parents a little bit. So this might be something just recognizing that we're going to offer some parent training and we're going to offer resources to parents to be used outside of the Sunday context, whether it's some of the curriculum things we've talked about where you're going to have everybody doing the same thing to prepare them for discussions at home. Uh, to something that's going to send out a midweek connection point. Um, but it's going to, so I think it would be family-based plus. So you kind of have a hybrid here of, of those two things. I, I think there are some unique challenges with this, though, where you have to be discerning as a church. Like, you can't just offer just anything. There's a lot of good resources out there, which means that there's even more bad resources and when I say bad resources, I mean stuff that's not really written well, stuff that's maybe not necessarily biblical, or maybe not even where you guys are at as a church. So you have to be discerning on what you offer. You have to be uh, having a conversation, an ongoing conversation with your parents to find out, hey, where are you at? What do you guys need? Uh, how old are your kids? Uh, based on that, being able to gauge what you might want to offer those kids and what you may want to avoid. So there's the challenge. It's a lot 
extra work as well. And I'll say that this probably resembles my own church the best uh, in, in an effort to try and provide resources for parents. That doesn't necessarily mean that parents are going to use those resources. And I guess my longstanding opinion has been it's better to have a resource that's not being used than to not have any resources at all. So I guess that's where I'm at. And I think another layer too is when you get to um, the aspect of doing this in a helpful, meaningful way, uh, it does take relationship. And and sometimes in the family-based model, you can... So I, I'd picture this as just someone who's running the Sunday school. As long as there's something for everybody, we're covered, we're good, right? But in this family equipping method, if you're going to be serving a family and giving them appropriate resources, if you're trying to disciple the family in a sense, bring them to the next step, you need to know where that family's at. So it's going to be uh, individual, right? So it's going to recognize this family, like the parents said, I can't talk to my kids uh, about anything spiritual. And it's like, okay, so you like going to your camp. Have you ever just sat there and say, wow, this really is beautiful out here, isn't it? Didn't God do a good job? What do we learn about God from his creation? And you're just mm. teaching them these little segues and building on that. But in order to do that, you need to know where your parents are at. And that just takes more time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to dive off the deep end in family, we have family, <laughs> family integrated. integrated. Well, you want to say it or do we want to try and say it together Go for again? it. You got it, Dan. <laughs> We've got the family integrated model is, is what's next as we're looking at this. And this is everyone all together for everything. Like I've seen and talked to churches where the mentality is like anything that we're going to do, we're going to do this together. Right now, my kids are discovering High School Musical. So to quote this, right, we're all in this together. Please, please send help. I, I, I need help. <laughs> That's all they listen to. So <laughs> in this, though, it's, it's this idea that everybody's all together. You don't have this age segregation at all, right? When you're having Sunday school, it is family Sunday school. It's not by ages. It's by the church and the whole church and nothing but the church, right? So, so help us, um, God. Yeah, so help us, God. And it's terrific. I, I don't know. Adam, have you ever observed a church that has something like this going on? No, I don't think I've ever uh, experienced or, or witnessed firsthand. I've heard about it, but I've never actually seen a church that never has any age, age or demographic segregated ministries. Yeah. It's the Sasquatch of ministry models. You've heard about it. We haven't seen it, Herbs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jordan, have you seen it? I, I don't know if I've seen it intentionally. Um, there might have been like a small enough thing where it's just, well, even then they might have had something for the kids. Sunday school, but um, mm. I know of the philosophy that's out there, and basically it's like family-based, we have everything segregated by age, and we want to cater to everybody, um, and then even providing things like children's church so that they're not in, quote-unquote, big church with the adults and stuff. This takes the opposite approach of saying, like, the kids are in church with us, but they're in Sunday school with us, they're in choir with us, we're, we're just together for everything and there's there is some beauty in that right Uh, i think this would hit intergenerational stuff really well but there's some challenges with this too in that there is a place for age-appropriate content and speaking to um people where they're at and and there is some fun about being with your peers and stuff although i do think that like 
a whole congregation getting involved in like a paintball thing, like some of the seniors out there with their walkers or something could be <laughs> interesting. But um, yeah, so that's family integrated. And these are kind of some of the main ones. But I think we also have some things that we want to recognize of, of unhealthy ministry models that we can slide into. Um, and the first one is, is something that's just silo ministry, kind of thinking about what we talked about family-based. Uh, but this is not just having something for other people, but intentionally separating everybody from other people. So as we're thinking of youth ministry, the focal point is really like youth group is the thing. And we need to have our students have fun together. They need to grow together, but it's just about them. And we're we're kind of separate from the rest of the congregation. In fact, as, as we've said in our conversation back and forth before, it's kind of like they're forming their own congregation, um, which can be a challenge because then you're not living out the unity that we see uh, in the gospel that Christ calls his church to, to have. Yeah, and, my, and uh, the years that I was as a, a youth director, um, I would probably describe my own ministry as a combination of family-based and silo ministry. And I think the lines between those two can really be blurred. Um, it, I, the one distinction that I have, though, is where one recognizes the identity of the individual within the entire intergenerational congregation. Um, and it recognizes that there's a tension where it's, this, this, as I mentioned, the students and the families might be tempted to view their, um, wrongly view their identity in the youth ministry itself. Silo ministry just embraces it. And it says, that's how kids see it. That's how parents see it. So that's what we're going to create. A ministry that has its, its own mission, its own vision, um, its own leader, its um, own identity as a group. And um, that's really where you funnel it. As the church, they say, if we're going to minister to this demographic, then we're going to have um, all in in this youth ministry. And that's not to say that it's a bad idea to have a focal point and to have a focus, but I think it, it is really revealing when the church congregation as a whole might have a mission and purpose statement and vision, um, but then you have this subgroup within the church that's chasing after something else. Um, and I think that can be one of the big dangers. And I know that as we've talked about the importance of having a vision, uh, in previous episodes, I still think that's the case. And there can be something unique for the youth that you're you're leading. But I think as a congregation, it's helpful that that fits under the umbrella of what the general call for the congregation, the ministry of the congregation is. Um, and, and let's be honest, uh, this can be a, a point in, in lead language where we need to lead up because our church leadership may not be in a place where they have an idea of what the mission of the congregation is. You know, you get into an older congregation that's been around for a long time. Um, sometimes if it's not brought up before people, you lose sight of what that is. and Or you just let it devolve into something so general that it doesn't actually shape the congregational identity. Uh, so that could be an opportunity to, to engage in that as well. So silo ministry, um, a, a potential pitfall, something that's appealing to it, but there's a lot of dangers and limitations to that as well. Yeah. And I wonder like how much of that um, in that ministry model is a little more pronounced when it comes to you are a full and proper member with all of the rights and privileges that are involved with that versus um, you're a member of the church no matter what. Like, uh, I guess where I'm coming from is a lot of churches, and I'd wager that all of our churches here on the call today 
have a line of when students can become a voting member of a congregation, right? Or when they can actually take part in the worship service and to what degree. And I'm wondering, I guess, more speculation in silo ministry, how much of the attitude is we don't want you involved in this yet because you're not in this quote unquote silo. Does that make sense? So would you be saying because like, you are because you are in a younger silo, you're not really a member yet. You're a member, but not fully. Like how much more pronounced does that get? So like value attributed to which location you're of ministry you're in at the time. Yeah, a little bit. The last model we're going to be talking about today is is hero models, and I don't know what hero you identify with, Jordan. Uh, I guess I'm always a fan of Batman, but I, I don't brood enough, I, and I don't have near enough money for Batman. So Or the gravelly voice. First the try. Gravelly... <laughs> First try. Oh, goodness. Favorite line. It is a great, oh, man. Lego Batman movie still holds up. The hero ministry model, though, is that uh, it views student ministry not so much as a silo or even just any ministry so much as a silo, but speaking specifically about youth ministry, uh, you are the youth leader who is kind of the guy or the gal. Like You are the person, the contact person who's going to be the one to reach all the students. Churches may view this ministry model as, uh, you know, we hired a full-time youth worker, all of our problems are going to be fixed, right? It's almost this Messiah mentality. <laughs> like we've, we've hired you, all of our problems will be resolved, go forth and do no wrong or else. And if you do wrong, well, I guess you weren't the one and we'll find somebody else. And I think the danger of this one is that it can come from both the congregation and the leader and it's not something that's like oh, written yeah. out. So you can have a congregation that has that temptation of we hired somebody for this, they're going to take care of it. You have the pull, the parents pull back, the volunteers pull back because they've got this. We've got someone who understands everything. They're, they've studied this. They're, they're good with it. Um, and they do a better job than I could. And so uh, we want to just step back and release it into their hands. So that's a, that's a problem. Uh, but there's also the other side where you can have a leader who maybe might be trying to do a ministry model with families or whatever, but they just keep on taking more and more and more under their own wings and they get maybe frustrated with parents and say, well, they can't do this. They're, they're not uh, up on things and, and kind of disparage parents or even just are apathetic and just not even considering parents. And they're just trying to figure out what can I do for the students? How can I build relationships with the students? And they really assume the mantle of leadership all on their own shoulders. I guess what comes to mind here as well, the challenge is that it's nice to be recognized for the stuff we do because a lot of times we aren't. So when people actually do see what we do, um, it's kind of nice to be, uh, you know, like I said, recognized and to have people acknowledge the effort and the work we put in. And I think there's a, a way for that to happen, which won't allow you to have this hero complex or to fall into this hero model, um, at, at least as a leader. But I guess my question for both of you is, as a leader, how do you try and help steer your church away from this ministry model? 
This is one of those uh, question that is is on my mind, and I don't think I have an answer for you, but rather uh, maybe more questions as I'm trying to process that myself, because um, there's there's always that tension between what we believe um, or what our, our ministry um, mission or vision is. This is this is what we put on paper. This is what we're going for. Uh, this is how we talk about it versus the practice, the the practical realities of the ministry, um, and you know a lot of times when it gets to this hero ministry. Um, I think it's well well motivated. I'll put the best construction on it. Um, I think a lot of people recognize the difficulties that um, the teen culture has right now for our teenagers. Um, they also rightly recognize that parents um, often are or feel ill-equipped to deal with those issues. And then you have a congregation or a person who says, we need to address that issue and how can we do that? Um, and so sometimes it's really tempting just to say, let's just find that person who's going to fix it for us. Um, and instead, there needs to be a, a giving up. You mentioned um, grabbing power, taking on more responsibility, Jordan. Um, and it's it's really challenging to uh, give that power back, not not just because you're power hungry or you want to keep it, it's because no one is there to take it. Um, what happens if, if it literally gets dropped and there isn't anyone any longer? Uh, a youth leader trying to move away from a hero mindset of youth ministry or a silo mindset of youth ministry and says we need to move away from this but the congregation and the parents say no 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 we can't do that we don't know what to do what gets dropped are teenagers um, and so that really is a challenge for me and trying to find effective ways to to move ministry in a, in a healthy direction is something that i'm still trying to process yeah, and I think this is a, a big area of the rub. And um, at, I was at a, a training session. I think it was um, even Ron Hunter who, who made this uh, made this assertion. And he said that Doug Fields, which if you've been in youth ministry for a while, you're familiar with that name. He's a prolific author, a lot of how to do this stuff, um, and, and a pretty good guy. <clears throat> but someone was asking him, if you had to do it all over again, what would you, you do differently? And uh, his quote, and well, I'll paraphrase it because I don't have it in front of me, but he said something like, I would have made it simpler so that parents would see that they could do it. So basically just there's a way that we can make this look so complex that we kind of bring it on ourselves so that parents do disqualify themselves. Um, and I think that one of the ways that we combat this in our own hearts and lives, first of all, spending time with Jesus and, and scripture, so your sin is ever before you, because <laughs> nothing will humble you as much as being exposed and seeing like, man, I am a rotten sinner that needs Jesus, and I don't have this together. So that's that's a huge thing. Um, but then also just the intentionality that it comes with it. And I think we as, as people in youth ministry sometimes can allow ourselves um, to get this mindset of our ministry focus is the student's. Um, but youth ministry, as we've been talking about, is bigger than the students, right? So we need to understand that equipping parents, talking with parents, and even church leadership, because this is talking about vision on a congregational level um, and philosophy and stuff, uh, this is part of our job, is, is to be reaching into these places, to communicate regularly. Um, it's going to take time. I, I've been using the terminology with people that talk to me about stuff in my, my own context here, um, that there are changes that are happening. Uh, it's taking its time. It's like turning an aircraft carrier with a tongue depressor. So that's, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of hyperbole there. But, I mean, we're, we're changing culture, um, ideally. And 
and that does take time. So one of the things you can think about is how do you communicate? Uh, and one of my things is weekly in my, my emails that go out to parents after youth group, um, my tag is uh, basically this picture partnership, um, helping you shepherd the hearts of our students as we chase after Jesus together. I, that's not it specifically, but I, I try to incorporate some of those things. Like there's partnership, there's the goal of shepherding our children's hearts. There's also this team aspect communication that's there. Um, I think another part is just that time issue of, of talking with the parents, talking with people in these groups and investing in them. Uh, there's that time with leadership, you know, being able to ask the question, like, what is our vision as a congregation and and helping evaluate? And I think in, in a small church setting, sometimes you've got you might be blessed with someone who's very business-minded and able to kind of handle these conversations. Um, but a lot of times it's just like survival mode. How do we get through? How do we maintain? And we're not doing these evaluation things. And so you might be the one that has to kind of humbly go to the ones who are leading the church and say, how can I help you um, with this process? I think we can do, I think we can grow here, um, but not like take power, but really enable the leaders to lead. So that's that's church leaders, and I think that's also um, I think that's also talking through uh, with your parents and, and ministry leaders as well. I think an aspect of is recruitment, and it's something I, I recognize I'm personally terrible at um, to ask people to like step into my ministry because you don't want to just start with asking someone. You need to have a plan. What are they going to do? What is the goal? What is the target? Um, and even just something like. First, we're going to start with getting to know kids' names. Then we're going to start with like maybe small group leader discussion, so making that connection. And then getting into how do we impact this congregationally so it's it's much broader than just a youth ministry Wednesday night, whatever night context, but getting into the congregation, getting into um, just the uh, identity and the DNA of the church. Thanks for listening to Flyover Ministry. You can find, follow, and give feedback on our Instagram and Facebook pages at Flyover Ministry. You can also get in contact with us on our Gmail account, flyoverministrypodcast at gmail.com. You can find other episodes that we've recorded on iTunes and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, and please feel free to share them with a friend. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.